This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Drunken Comedian Podcast. How's it going, Jaeger Potters? I hope you are uh, having a really nice time uh, at the time of recording. It's winter 2017 uh, on that run up to Christmas and... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun time of year. Um, unless you're heavily depressed, and then it's not that fun this time of year. But <laughs> wow, what a great way to start the Christmas podcast, Matt. Oh, good. Um, this isn't really. Uh, I I talked about maybe doing like a Christmas special. Uh, I did plan to do it, but um, I ran out of time, and uh, the guest I was also going to interview ran out of time but that being said we do have some really cool stuff uh in store for uh january and february because uh, i've got some other bits and pieces which wasn't really christmas related but they're still really interested uh in the same view uh, so we've got lots of cool guests coming up soon however um let's talk about the the matters at hand this this december episode Ooh, uh, no, sorry i was kind of like a, a ghost kind of thing but that's Wrong, wrong season. Um, this episode, episode thirteen, we have the fantastic Archie Maddox, and I've been a massive fan of Archie for a, a long time. Um, when I first started doing stand up, or just just before doing stand up, I uh, I was watching a lot of st- um, comedy at the time, and uh, at this time, uh, Archie was. Uh, uh, he, I think he won an award, and he was he was like the rising star of comedy. He was really getting a lot of attention quite fast, and uh, rightly so because uh, he's a sharp writer. He uh, he's very fun as a performer, and he he kind of uh, has that just uh, he has that kind of star quality in a way. Uh, he'll probably hate me for saying that, but. Uh, We've gigged together a couple of times, and uh, and we've kind of stayed in contact ever since, really. So I, he was in Newcastle, uh, and I recorded this at the stand in Newcastle, and we kind of uh, just had a bit of a chat, really, um, uh, over over a pint, as is the remit of this podcast. If you don't know what this podcast is, by the way, it's a, uh, I should probably have mentioned that it's a podcast where I interview comedians whilst having a drink, and usually. And this is some context for the interview because uh, it this is a bit of a dense episode. It's we really jump off into the deep end with this one. And in the bar earlier, we uh, we were just having a, a nice frivolous chat about light-hearted things. But as you're about to find out, it gets quite uh, not intense, but it gets very heavy with discussion quite early on. And the other thing with the drinking side of it, usually uh, it's a bit more frivolous, uh, but with some people, they get uh, a bit more serious and they talk about politics, and uh, this is one of those episodes. It's a... uh, uh, And there's a lot of context that needs to be said for it as well. Uh, Archie Maddox, he's a mixed-race comedian, and he talks a lot about race and... uh, uh, race relations within his stand-up, and he's a very, uh, uh, a very 
eloquent speaker off stage as well. Uh, and in July, we started uh, recording this episode, and it was on the week of which Amory Morris, a Tory Brexiteer MP, uh, she was in Parliament and she said the following. And I have to just say that it does contain uh, uh, the N-word, and from this point onwards, the N-word will be said by uh, Archie and uh, Amory Morris. And this is what Amory Morris said. And then we get to the, uh, the real negotiable part, which is... Uh, which isn't great, uh, but that also creates a debate which uh, we, we kind of talk about in the podcast. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a different one, and uh, <laughs> I was kind of caught off the back foot, really, because I, uh, I like talking politics, but I uh, I hadn't really prepared for it. And uh, as I say, I was uh, kind of nursing a pint at this point, so it's a bit like uh, my A-game was switched off. So I, I worry if I said anything wrong, but, you know... That's that's the magic of editing. Um, anyway, I I hope you enjoy this episode. I won't uh, not run for too much longer. Archie is a really amazing comedian. He's very funny in this, and I hope you enjoy it. This is episode thirteen with Archie Maddox. Here we go. Hope you're ready for our podcast today, and I hope you're ready for what we're about to say. Thanks for coming on a bus or a train, because we're gonna go straight inside your brain. Get ready for the podcast. Yeah. Hope you're ready for the podcast. I bet you're ready for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're probably ready. Enjoy the podcast. Are you a fan of walking music? For uh, yeah, I fucking love walking music, mate. Yeah, especially walking music that has nothing to do with the show. Yeah, yeah, just stuff that makes you feel good. As yeah, well. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I love, I love all of that. I think it, it's. It's very American. Yes, it's. Uh, it feels very. Uh, I, n- I know nothing about wrestling, but I, I I would love to do wrestling just for like walking music. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a rock star. I remember um, when I did a work in progress two years ago um, in Edinburgh. My mm-hmm. my walking music was DMX mm-hmm. Party Up, just because I'd seen it on a Dave Chappelle special like ten <laughs> yeah. years ago. And I was like, I wanted to walk out. And then every time I did it, I forgot that I didn't have a tech. So I, did, I walked out and I went, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I could, one second. Yeah, yeah. I had to go up and tell the bubbies and they go, hello. I, uh, I used to run a night in uh, Canterbury and I used to pick the, um, the, the music as well. And uh, that was the, probably one of the best benefits of doing that uh, gig was that you get to pick their own music. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's that awkward thing. It's like, welcome to the stage, my house. You come out, hello, and the music playing. You just have to fumble around for a second. Isn't that, so you have that kind of cool walking music but it's also it's undercut straight away mm. so, um. I did a gig on Monday uh, where the walking music is a preview uh, where there was a slight bit of racism oh, which okay. is mm, we'll talk about that later yeah uh, and I just remember because this just reminded me of the gig the walking music they uh, like the guy was before we got there I was I was with a, another act so it was two previews mm-hmm. and he went through and said like he's got a sound desk it was down in the west country so like, bro you've got a sound desk it's going to be great here's one mic that works here's another mic that works so you can use either one and uh, yeah. he's getting well excited we like when the first act went on the mic stopped working okay. picked up the second mic that mic stopped working <laughs> and, the fu- and then when he brought both of us on he put on countdown or some shit like that okay. and we come like someone introduced us we go hello and then the music was still playing we go alright yeah uh, uh, okay no it was the cinema music it was da, 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 that, that shit and I was like why, why are you yeah. that is so weird like we're literally in a room next to the stage why 
Anyway. Yeah. No. So, how was the gig slightly racist? Well, it's it's weird, right? In the last year, there's just there's been a turn I felt from just from people that have kind of been legitimised in saying stuff that ten years ago they wouldn't have said. Yeah. So I've got this joke at the moment, which is the basic idea behind it is that I don't believe in ghosts because there are no ethnic ghosts. Yeah. Right? They're always old white people or like a Japanese kid that fell down a well. Yeah. Basically, the joke. Yeah. It ends with a black ghost matter. Yeah. Bit. Right? Yeah, that's very cool. And it, like, it's not the fucking, it's not the best joke in the world, but it's a bit that I like because it's it is clearly from me. Yeah, yeah. And in the last, say, two months, I've done it down in places outside of cities, and the amount of times yeah. that people on that ghost, on that joke, have gone, you can't see them at night. Oh. And I've just gone, that's fucking racist. Wow. <laughs> and what was wow. funny about the Monday one is that I went, wow, you, you've you been racist straight off the bat. She's like, I'm not racist. I was like, that is that is racism. She's like, I'm not. I'm anti-racist. I went, you're fucking not. <laughs> you're fucking oh, you're racist, you idiot. Oh, my God. And she, uh, she just told me, like, I spoke to her briefly because she had a black eye. She was sitting next to her, like, a really pumped dude. Oh, and I thought, fuck, this is really awkward. But she works in a school for behavioural students. <laughs> so she'd been punched in the face by a student. And me, me and her were having this argument because I was like, that is racist. She's like, it's not racist. I'm like, no wonder you got punched in the fucking head, lady. Because <laughs> you go around like, spinning your racism. Oh, my God. Uh, and then someone else came in about 10 minutes after I dealt with that and just started going, oh, sit, recite that rap, rude boy. Sit, some shit about, sing them dirty lyrics, bruv. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, fuck the West Country. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I think you hit on something, which um, since I moved up, to the north, I've realised I've had to do more gigs uh, in the sticks, really, mm. and I found that by and large, gigs in the city are more metropolitan and more liberal. And uh, I got used to doing like I started doing stuff about feminism and uh, environmentalism, which would usually go down quite nicely. But in the sticks, it doesn't quite work because yeah. notoriously, I did a gig in a room above a pub in Bolton to fifty white men, and I thought. Well, yeah, I'll do the feminist routine because that's that's relatable, Good isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did not sell. So. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's a really. I mean, people keep saying it's a really interesting time to be alive. Like, and for me, I find that weird because that's literally how time works. All time is interesting, <laughs> but it is interesting in that we're kind of we're coming back round to that 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 critical mass of of. A new, a new vision for where we're going. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like an age of enlightenment is coming back. But in order to get there, we need to get to the, the shit part. We need yeah. to go through that. Uh, one of the most positive aspects that came out of Brexit and Trump uh, uh, is that some people said, well, actually, because of this right-wing lurch, it might be like a, a bigger left-wing surge in the future. And, uh, and I can see that kind of happening. But equally, that does mean that a lot of people's lives are going to be quite harder yeah. for the foreseeable future. But the thing, the thing that gets me <laughs> about the left and the right is that I'm, I'm very sceptical about about giving a political stance or an allegiance, whether I'm left or right. I mean, if, if you listen yeah. to me, it's quite clear where I stand. You both so, I fucking hate women like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. no. you, you push that woman in the face, yeah, mate. what she fucking deserves. <laughs> uh, no, it's quite clear where I stand, but I don't like to align myself as left or right because I think very much 
in a similar way to the way that there's so many ways of defining yourself now. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. However, there's so many separate dif- definitions that that kind of that intersectionality creates more division. It, yeah, Do you know and, what I mean? I think uh, an issue which um, the, like people who are more liberal uh, tend to have is that they want to put as many tags and labels to what they do as much as possible. So it's like, well, you know, I'm a radical feminist. Well, I'm a hyper feminist. Uh, mm. So like, so the fact that um, they uh, though they share a common goal and they're generally the same, they kind of speak with each other as well, well exactly right? and it, that just creates division and because there's such there's so many divisions being created there's like there's a gap for misunderstanding yes and in that gap that's where you like kind of fear of the other person starts to breed yeah so people will hate people without even knowing the reason why totally and I just I find that really weird like I don't I don't tend to hate anyone for without a reason. If I have a reason, then I will hate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Being like racist. Yeah. Even then, this is the thing. I think racism as a concept is kind of coming back and growing. But I don't think those people are actually racist. I think they're they're spouting racist views and believing in racist rhetoric without actually being a racist in and of themselves. Yeah. Which it that kind of complicates it because um. I remember I, I, um, when I go down to Canterbury now, I stay with a, a couple of friends, and they live next door to a lady, uh, this old lady um, that um, UKIP. Well, no, yeah, she's well, she's she's a really lovely lady, and I think the fact that she she comes from a place of love and happiness. But when my friend is working in the garden, and uh, she goes, "Oh, Luke's been working like a N word all uh, all day," and yeah. that that. Yeah, with that is racist, but then again, it's like I, she, she, I don't, I wouldn't say that she was necessarily a racist. You know? Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's that kind of. I mean, it's it's weird with old people because I kind of so much has changed in their lifetime about what they're allowed to say, particularly if they're from somewhere like where there's not as much immigration and yeah, integration yeah. within different types of cultures within society. I think it is quite it's quite difficult when stuff like that. Happens. It's like, but. Know. And on the flip side, there's stuff where, like, that MP from Newton Abbott the other yeah, day, yeah. who said uh, the Brexit deal was like a nigger in a woodpile. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just like, fuck, like, what the... That's not even a phrase. For me, I mean, what it, it is, it's an American phrase. It's oh, not really it? one here. Yeah. It's because it, it comes from if a slave would escape, they'd hide in the woodpile because oh, that was I the see. easiest place to oh, hide. Oh, wow, that's, that's worse than I imagined. Yeah. Oh, God. But for me, what the weirdest thing is, is not that she said it, because I... This is where it gets weird for me because I'm quite happy that racism's coming back for one reason in that I know what people are thinking now. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think five years ago, a lot of people would have just like looked around and been like, Ugh. now they will say it, which is both bad and it's bad for society. But as a person of colour, I appreciate that because I know where I stand with that person. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think... 2016 was like entering an age of honesty, wasn't mm. it? Because like, uh, um, a lot of people are more open with their views. For example, people like Trump, like 10 years ago, would, would never go as far as he got because mm. of people like this kind of, uh, they say it like it is attitude. Yeah. And uh, that, that's prevalent over like um, experience yeah. or whatever. And I think a lot of that has come through people saying you can't say that. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to saying, maybe if you said this, people wouldn't get upset. There's a straight, if you shut down people like yeah, that and yeah. go, you can't say that, then they go, I can't fucking say anything. Yeah, exactly. Do you know exactly. what I mean? And then they start to hit back when someone like Trump comes along and says, fuck, like grabbing them by the pussy and shit yeah. like that. 
Um, but the the thing about the Tory MP that yeah. said nigger in the woodpile, just to go back to it, no, no. this will happen a lot with me. I'll go all over <laughs> no, the place. Uh, the thing that was most interesting to me, one that she said it, because I know that there's a lot of people out there that will say shit like that mm-hmm. within their own circles, if not publicly, and I know pe- a lot of people will think that. What was the most telling thing to me was that nobody in the room reacted. Everyone yeah, was just yeah. like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that seems to be the thing that no one else is kind of focusing, focusing on. They're making this woman the figurehead. I'm like, no, no, no. But she yeah, yeah. can't say that without the rest of that room legitimising it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that's the bigger problem. Yeah, exactly. I think Tin and Duyeb, um he talked about on his podcast uh, uh, in the fact that he kind of, well, he said it in a joke format, but he alluded to the fact that he imagines that they say it quite a lot in the back because, like, if they're so used to it, like, mm. it's, it's a shocking thing to hear as well. Like, um, I there's a routine I do. Where I talk about uh, an ex girlfriend, and one of the reasons I broke up with her is that she used that n word during sex. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it's a it's a true routine as well. Um, but it's it's I kind of talk about um, how I'm attracted to her, but my penis isn't because uh, my penis is a political and it's as long those lines kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember what the point was, but like, well, well I should have done. But uh, yeah, so it's just like um, that word's bad. We'll, we'll leave it. There. Yeah. Well, it's weird because. For me, in England, niggas, nigger ain't a word, really. It's an yeah. American yeah, word. It, that is, yeah. And it's, so it's a pervasive Americanism that has come into this culture. I mean, if someone had said, like, gollywog or jungle bunny or something like that, yeah. I think that would be more that would be more fitting. But when people say nigger, my first reaction is to go, we're not in America. And they'll go, oh, no, shit, that is racist. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the first... I mean, I know immediately it's racist, but I also think, why, why they said that and not darky? Why yeah. they gone nigger? I don't, that is a weird thing. But, yeah, it has, well, uh, it's, it's weird because with that term, it's uh, a lot of people, uh, it now, because we're in an age where people use it ironically as well. Like, yeah, the, the, yeah so, that pisses me off. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of weird. Um, and I think that the point I was trying to make earlier is that my, I think my ex-girlfriend was trying to use it like a, as a kind of a joke kind of thing, but the way it came off was like, whoa, no, yeah, that's just yeah, yeah. like Like, it, you, I think you, it, well, you shouldn't really be spouting uh, that stuff necessarily. But the thing, I, I also, um, I currently live with my mum and her boyfriend, and uh, I find with old white men is that they're obsessed with why they're not allowed to use that word. The, yeah, this is what I always find, because the amount of conversations I've had... Because I used to have a routine that played on the word nigger. And that it, it again, is very... I think... I think if you are going to say that word, then say it. Yeah. The me- You have to look at what the meaning is. If you're saying it in conversation, go, oh, they said nigger. That's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not fine, but it's not... It's more acceptable than if you call someone yeah. with yeah. hatred behind it. You know what yeah. I mean? And... I, I used to have a routine about when I lived in America and yes. the way that they use the word nigger. Yeah, it's a great routine. Right. Thank you. Yes. Some people disagree. Uh, well, yeah. Some very angry white guys did not like it. I, I was, the first time we met, well, uh, I went to go and see you perform because you were very, uh, you were hot and, well, you were, you were hot. Uh, no, you were hot and up-and-coming comedian and you were playing a gig in Bishop Auckland. And I, I, went, I, I, that well. I specifically came along to see you. Uh, uh, and there was um, I went along with my mum and uh, you, you did that routine there and I think that went down quite nicely but again Bishop Auckland is like the whitest place yeah, yeah yeah, I think you said that as well yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean my whole point of doing that routine is just the 
the madness of how that word has evolved in America to yeah. mean basically everything. Yeah. And it is a very... But when I, when I would do that routine, I would have guys after come up to me and go, oh, I love that nigger bit. And I'll be yeah. like, no, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't say that. And they'll be like, well, why can you say it? And I'm like, number one, I more live it than you will ever live it. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, well, I don't get why you get to say it and I don't. I'm like, why do you want to say it? Yeah. Explain that. Why? Why do you want to say it? Explain. And they they can never yeah, explain. Yeah. And from that, that is one of the ways in which, weirdly, I'm not sure if it makes sense, but weirdly, that's one of the ways in which people are becoming more equal, or it's one of the ways in which a someone of privilege will understand what their privilege is because a little bit of it is being taken away from them. Mm-hmm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? By not being allowed to say certain thing. And they usually they would have been allowed to say anything. Now that they're not, they're kind of feeling what's very, very slightly what racism or yeah, sexism like, would feel like because they're being excluded. Yeah, yeah, that's well, that's a great way to put it because um, although it's such a minor and small thing in comparison mm. to everything, but it's that little bit of understanding. It's just to go well, you can't do that. You're excluded from the group. Yeah, uh, and ideally we shouldn't fight exclusion with exclusion. But then again, I, I'm not sure if these people. Well, uh, I, that's the only way they they know really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought that just the whole notion of privilege is such an interesting concept to me. Yeah. It really is. Just like the way that I see it, and this this is kind of that like very butchered routine that I I rarely do. It's if they piss me off that I'll do this routine. <laughs> um, that I think what what it seems like to be if you're a white, straight, middle-class man mm-hmm. is it's like you're a Lamborghini that's been on the parking lot the whole time with other Lamborghinis. Yeah. That is your life. That's what you think is normal. And then as soon as you leave the parking lot and a fucking a Ford Fiesta rocks up next to you, you realise, oh, Actually, I've got it pretty good. Yeah. But then that Ford Fiesta, it may that may be able to go into a small, smaller parking space. You're like, but I want to go in that parking space. Yeah. Why can't I go in that park? Yeah. I don't understand. Why I should be able to go in that parking space? And you don't realize that everything is so good for you yeah. that actually you can't go into that smaller, more compact thing because your 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 body of being is so good that you are you're going to park in a nicer place. Yeah. You don't have to be in the fucking, in the basement with the tiny spaces. You're up top with the wide where you can open your doors and you can stretch and shit. Yeah. Like I said, very butchered routine. No, no. But that, that is how I view privilege is it's, it's, it's indicative of feeling like, like you're normal, which essentially you are. Yeah. But, your normality is only brought into question when you see people that don't have the same privilege as you. That's it. And so it's... I think it. that's why a lot of people are annoyed at being told that they are privileged because they don't feel it. Yeah. And it, know it's I mean? such a hidden feeling because you, you can only see privilege from the outside looking in yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, it's like you only become aware of race when there is another race around you that makes yeah. you feel your differences to that person. Yeah. And the thing is... Like I, I love conversations about race if someone's willing to have that conversation. Uh-huh. But it's it's a very hard conversation to have with no disrespect to you. It's a very hard conversation for people of colour to have oh, yeah. with white people. Yeah. Because in this society and in Western society in general, white people have no idea of what racism actually is. Well, yeah, like, um, like <laughs> um, I can't really say I've had 
uh, any racist experience. Like, it's 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 totally unknown to me. It's well, well, the only thing I've ever had. Uh, so disclaimer: this is uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so um, I, I tan. This isn't me complaining, by the way. But it's just uh, the the one racist experience I had uh, is misguided racism as well. Uh, me and my brother tan quite easily, so oh, we yeah. say brown quite a lot uh, after like going on holiday. And uh, then we were out walking outside the swim bath one day, and these men in the van shouted out. Um, to uh, excuse my language here, but uh, they go, to, oh, he's packies, and then we just drove off, and I was just like, that was like 2006 when yeah. that was a really horrible word, and it's like, but like, like, yeah. it's like we, I just felt hurt and stuff like that. I was, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I was like, why did Dude, but, at least get it right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I'm white. I should yeah. have privilege. Be racist. At least get the shit right. <laughs> at least get the right race. Okay. But <laughs> the, what was very interesting to me, well. Again, this may be controversial because I've had arguments with people about it in the past. I've had arguments with family about it as well because mm-hmm. I've got two half brothers. One's white, one's mixed race. So I've had arguments with uh, with both of them about this. But I I think in a country like here or the US, most Western countries, you cannot be racist to white people because racism is a one. It's a sociological. It's a social construct whereby a group is dominant there therefore if say a white person isn't allowed to do something purely because they are white that isn't actually racism that's bigotry mm-hmm. but if they were to transpose that to somewhere like india or Af- somewhere in africa mm-hmm. or you know somewhere in southern southeastern asia where they are clearly not the power the person in power yeah then you could say that that is racism. Yeah. However, then you're getting into the whole, the social economics of Eurocentricity and blah, blah, yes. blah. And it yeah. gets, yeah. it gets into a difficult concept. But I think, I think really and truly, I think pe- within a largely, a majority white country, particularly European ones, and we'll account America as well as that, where Essentially, and when I say white people, I don't mean any individual. There's just, that's just a pejorative term for, I don't even want to say society, but power, for the power structure, for the hegemonic power structure. Yeah. It, you can't be racist to those people. You can be bigoted, you can be a cunt, mm-hmm. <laughs> but racism, it don't... Yeah. So when, like, someone, a white guy came up to me and go, I know what that feels like, I'm Scottish. I'm like, that's not racism, yeah, mate! That's yeah. just someone being a cunt! Yeah. Like, don't... <laughs> I'm like, it's not the same yeah. fucking thing. I get it. Someone's a cunt to you. They're a cunt. Then yeah. call them that. But don't don't try and put your struggle on the same plate as my struggle because it's not the same thing. Yeah, totally. I remember this great piece of advice I got from um, my drama teacher. She said, uh, this is North Yorkshire and all the students were white. Uh, and she said, try and live a single year of your life where you're not in the majority like uh, live like uh, be a minority for a year mm. just, uh, she lived in Japan for a whole year and just totally changed her whole life view as well yeah. uh, um, but a- again like, it's it, uh, it's it's that kind of a uh, small town syndrome as yeah. well where people yeah, yeah. are so like uh, uh, but I don't I think we're at a time where people aren't well there's some people who are looking to kind of broaden their horizons but a lot of people are now getting they're kind of happy with their insular views you can know what I mean yeah yeah and I think really and truly at this point in time the most insidious and dangerous thing within English society well United British society mm-hmm. is class I think yeah, class definitely. class warfare that is the most insidious thing I think all this other shit gets in the way of what really is going on yeah, and man. There's a real, there's a real eradication of working class identity. Definitely, like definitely. Real eradication, and 
to the point where people that are working class trying to find themselves as not being that yeah. and th- it's because I like when it comes to class I'm confused about what class I am because yeah. essentially doing what I do I'm middle class isn't it but neither of my parents are working class but they both come from working class backgrounds yes I know it's kind of weird because like I do divide it by like what tax bracket you're in yeah or, like how much you earn because like that's not that's slightly indicative of what you do, but like, uh, uh, let's say that we have a working class income, but uh, you, you might have middle class habits. So yeah. it depends how you live your life as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's all this stuff to do with aspirations, yeah. and but I mean, so there's this new thing called muddle class, isn't it? Where you're 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 muddled. You don't yeah. know whether you're middle <laughs> well, or working or what. That that is. Yeah. I just I think this class thing just needs to go. It yeah. need, it can't be here no more. Well, it. Well, it's it's such a weird system because, as you say, like uh, um, people like myself, I, I I don't know what I am. Like yeah. I, I I would I, part of me wants to feel working class. So because uh, like I think people like that. Uh, I like the idea of that like, I come from a struggling home, and it was yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't a hard struggle, but it was a uh, it was just, it wasn't easy. You know? Yeah. So uh, so I do kind of and now I say I. I I'm a vegan. I eat hummus quite regularly. I feel middle class, mm. but I feel like I have that the roots. Uh, but this is the funniest thing: is that all like middle class stuff, like uh, like fucking quinoa yeah. and hummus and shit. That's what peasants eat. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How is this middle? I don't understand. This, I remember yeah. one of my friends saying, uh, um, "If you're a vegan, how can you afford to eat it and stuff like that?" I was like, "I just have rice and beans." Is it? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, but, but yeah, it's, it's weird because uh, people kind of judge me for being vegan and saying oh how can you afford it and stuff like that mm. but it's like well meat's more expensive yeah. you know what I mean yeah what's more expensive a potato or a steak yeah but um you've been vegan for about a month now uh, uh for a couple of weeks okay how couple... how you found it so far so far I've found it alright I've found it alright I mean it's, I should say as a disclaimer I'm doing it as a bet yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. there's only three reasons why you go vegan um for the animals the environment and for bets yeah, yeah that's the my <laughs> one's the bet anyway. yeah. um, what is the bet uh, oh god this is where it's bad it's, it's a bet with my four year old goddaughter <laughs> that I could do it right? yeah, yeah and it's just it's just the thing of I also kind of wanted to test myself to see if I was capable of doing if I was capable of changing a habit because I, I don't I don't think that I eat that well mm-hmm. really you know I mean I think I've got I've got high cholesterol and yeah. shit like that, which is kind of, is natural. A lot of my family have it, but I also I think that as as a people we eat generally. I think we eat too much meat. I think we oh, eat too so, much dairy. Yeah. And so for me, I think I think my real issue is I don't think dairy agrees with me. <laughs> in, I I really don't, like I love it. I fucking I love ice cream and yogurt and all of that. But I think. I think, and really, I'm a Netflix documentary away from yeah. changing everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I think dairy isn't great for us because every every other group of animal, mm-hmm. because I would group humans as animals. Mm-hmm. I think every, every other group of animal, once they finish growing, they stop having it. Yeah. So I'm like, why are we still? Why? What? And, what is this? Why do we still do it? And without getting on the uh, um, vegan pedestal. Uh, you you're you're only supposed to have like your own species milk, so yeah. it's kind of weird that you you have the entirety of your life another species milk. You know what I mean? Like it's like if you if you ate dog's milk for a whole, like that's that's probably not going to be that healthy, is it? This is the thing. People try to say like I remember got in an argument with a vegan where they said, "Well, you wouldn't have dog's milk." I'm like, I'll fucking try. 
try dog's milk. I'll try any to, milk. To honest, like, there, there used to be um, in uh, this morning with Richard, not Judy, with Stuart mm. Lee and Richard Herring. Uh, there's a there's a bit there's a sketch where Richard tries to he rates a different milk every week, uh, and like I thought that was so funny because yeah. like uh, uh, it's just it's like oh ostrich milk nine out of ten, and I was like. Uh, but I think before I was vegan, I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. Because, like, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a great argument, necessarily. Um, yeah, it's it, like when with the whole the dog meat festival where people getting so outraged that you're eating yeah, dogs. And they're like, yeah. you, you wouldn't eat a dog? I'm like, I'd fucking eat a dog. But I, um, I find that so peculiar because uh, there's an, a couple of... I, I like to read a Peter Singer like, essays, like mm. uh, morality essays. And, uh, and one of the things is that I find it um, I find it difficult where people uh, it's called carnism where people they love dogs but they eat pigs and white cows yeah um, so it's that kind of a Western bias and um, so when people look to uh, Asia and go well uh, they're, they're eating dogs and stuff like that that's your Western perception yeah of that. and that uh, screams at a messiah complex to me it, you're going oh we have to help these savage people yeah and I'm like no look I mean maybe if they're gonna eat dogs let maybe send the education so that dogs are kept in a more humane environment before they're eaten yeah. not in these tiny little cages but if they're going to eat dogs eat dogs it's yeah. like you know some like a culture Indian culture will look at this culture going they're eating cows what the fuck is wrong with it yeah, yeah well exactly Hindus not but, Muslims uh, but, but that's that's the whole point it's a different perspective exactly uh, and that for example I think most people in this country say whaling is really bad mm. but Japan, there's one that I use is that they don't see it like that. So, is it moral or is it just your perception? Uh, this is the thing, and perce- the 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 problem with perception is it's so fluid to wherever you are in yeah, the world. Definitely. In that, no, technically, there's no such thing as right and wrong. There's a certain amount of, yeah. of principles and guidances that people can follow and go, oh yeah, I follow this this thing, therefore that thing's wrong. However, when it really comes down to it, nothing. There is no such thing as right and wrong. It's yeah. only your perception of that thing. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I like I say, I would have, I would happily eat a dog. <laughs> I would, I would just because I've never. That's eaten gonna be one. the headline of this. <laughs> I would eat a dog because I don't, I don't see the hypocrisy and go like, I like lambs. Yeah. I still eat a lamb. But I think lambs are lovely little cute. I, lo- I fucking love goats. Uh-huh. You've been on my Facebook. Look how many goat videos I share. I love goats. <laughs> but I also love curry goat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I d- like, there's so many... If it, if it were to come down to it, I'd eat a person. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think... Uh, I, I, uh, I, there's a routine which I, I, I've written down, but I never really developed it. It's like um, that I think... I think eating a person is actually more vegan than not eating animals. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, like, you know, I think I think you're allowed to, but, like, we, we don't eat each other because we're not that tasty. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I reckon we taste like shit pork. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Like, it's fine, but you don't want to have it, you know, yeah. when you're hungover. And, yeah, I mean, the whole thing behind that is that we put humans on a higher moral pedestal than we do other animals. But that's, yeah, that, that's that's where that idea yeah. comes into it. Like, However, yeah. we are destroying the planet... So if you know if you were to eradicate a couple million and then use it as food instead of beef, problem fucking solved. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, this has been a very serious podcast. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I um I've kind of uh, well a question I've been dying to ask for the last uh, uh, however uh, last half an hour is uh what is your walking music by the way I forgot to ask what is your what is your for this year yeah what is your walking music oh, I haven't I haven't decided yet. 
I haven't decided what it was going to be. It was going to be. I'm, I've been. I'm a big fan of grime, and okay, I've been edging yeah. closer and closer to it being a fully grime thing. Cool. But I think this year it's going to be Kendrick Lamar High Power. Okay. Because my show is called Illuminati. Yes. There's, it has nothing to do with the well, Illuminati. I gotta say that's a great title, but it seems like one of those titles where it's like it. It could mean like it's the whole narrative, but also it could be like uh, there. No, nah, it's <laughs> it, there's nothing to do with the yeah. Illuminati, man. It's just it's all it's just a punny title. Hey. I explain it at the beginning of the show. So if they're like a preview that I did last week. 20 minutes in this guy got up and he was proper you could tell he's a proper Illuminati guy like he oh it's a conspiracy theory yeah probably like 20 minutes like oh, is this going to be about when you're going to do drugs about the Illuminati I'm like oh sorry dude it's not about the Illuminati it's like okay I was like do you want to leave don't you he's like I'm going to leave in 5 minutes yeah oh and then my he did God. he enjoyed it but he was like oh, I wanted to listen to Illuminati stuff which is fine that's a that's a very odd comedy demographic isn't yeah, it it's like yeah, how niche <laughs> I mean, if it is about the Illuminati, really, one, if they're real, I would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and two, because of the whole nature of the Illuminati, there's surely not going to be that much material on yeah. them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, how are you going to string that out for an hour? I know. It's fucking... It's, there's, there's so many things that don't make sense to me. <laughs> like, like how many people know about the hacker group Anonymous. I'm like, that's literally the opposite of what your title yeah. says you are. This is bullshit. <laughs> You guys should just be known. That's what you yeah. should be called. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine if Anonymous had a P, uh, like a PR agent. It's like, okay, we've uh, put out your publicity report. So, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a joke for you there, but um, uh, which I'll never say again. But uh, yeah. Um, so, how is the Edinburgh preparation going? Well, I think. I mean, I'm obviously I'm biased. But... <laughs> well, there seems a lot more confident. At this stage, from Facebook, uh, my research on Facebook, a lot of comedians are like, I'm not sure if my show is really shit or all right. I'm not, and uh, but you seem quite happy with yours. I'm I'm happy purely because I love doing it. Every time I've done it, I've had so much fun. And that's not to say that the first show I did wasn't fun, but the yeah. first show was a lot. It was it thematically. I found the theme thing a bit of a struggle because I had to stick around that. Yeah, because there's no theme to this show. I have just had fun with it, and because inevitably, because of my style, it has sort of found its own theme. Yeah, I, I love that when Edinburgh shows where you don't, if you don't set a necessary theme, you're allowed to get into your own groove, and mm. and, and like obviously you have to set a title in February. Yeah. Um, um, but by by August, it could be a totally different thing. Um, yeah. But I, I love the fact that um, when you get into a new show, it's like putting on a new pair of shoes, and you just, you're kind of finding the, the grooves yeah. to it as well. Yeah, you're and feeling it out, and yeah, and this show is just it's just much more. I I liked my last show last year. I didn't love it. Yeah. There were there were days I'd done it. I was like, oh yeah, this is a good show. But then there were other days, and I was like, this it kind of feels like I'm reaching with the preachy stuff a little yeah. bit. Whereas this one, for me, it just feels so much fun. It feels very fluid, very organic. And it kind of, it feels like, because I'm not going out there explicitly with a message or yeah. anything like that, it, it feels like comedy. The last show didn't feel like a comedy show to me. If, yeah. like, and I, I feel like that's doing it a disservice because it was funny and it was a good show. But it, it just, this is just funny throughout yeah. it. It's just funny. Um, I think uh, the comedian I always wanted to be was the kind of like um, like social political comedian, like uh, trying to change the world, kind of mm. like a Mark Thomasy kind of figure. But 
but yeah, like the thing is, like, the, the comedian I am now is more just like I like to tit around. It's more pappies, and then mm. I and which is smart. I love because I I love pappies and the way they perform as well. Uh, so like like I've although it's not what I set out to do. It's it, you kind of found your own groove to it. Yeah, yeah, and I I think I always wanted to be an American comedian. Okay, because that yeah. was my reference point. Yeah. Like all my favorite com uh, comedians. I was going to say comedies. Yeah. Uh, all <laughs> my, my favorite comedies. All my favorite comedies. <laughs> um, all my favorite comedians are American. Like my my guy from the day is Richard Pryor. He's oh man, oh just what a fucking am- he's just a genius. Yeah, he for me he invented stand up comedy as we know it. Right now, the historian in me, um, historically, uh, someone like Max Miller um, was like, well, he did like variety theatre, mm. like, so he, he would like essentially do stand up uh, in front of like the front, uh, the, he's a front cloth comedian, so yeah. um, he's kind of like in between, it's kind of like a comp, uh, um, so there's a big act that did uh, their main things, uh, like a, like a uh, gymnastics group, athletics group, or um, a musical, and uh, then the curtains drop, then Max Miller would come on stage to do his material, so that, that would be like, a conventional type of stand-up. However, I think the point you were making was that the stand-up which we have today is mm. because of Richard Pryor. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't happen without Richard Pryor. I think before him, so before him, there were guys like um, like Red Fox. I'm talking like yeah. on the yeah. Chitlin circuit, as it's called in America. There'll be guys like Red Fox or Bill Cosby. Uh-huh. They, while they were comedians, they, from, they I mean... I'm not sure if I'll explain it right, but they, they weren't quite, in my mind, they weren't stand-up comedians. They were more, in the same way that Dave Allen wasn't a stand-up comedian. Yeah. I yeah. love him. I think Dave Allen, he's, again, another one of my heroes. But for me, he wasn't a stand-up. He was a entertainer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I he was someone it. that you just wanted to be in their company because you knew you were going to have a good time. You'd be entertained. Whereas Richard Pryor, he... He just exuded this this rawness and this this energy, and um, he has that kind of honest nature as well. Yeah, right? and yeah. he was he from he's the first person that I saw in terms of chronologically. Yeah, he's the first person I saw be that naked on stage where you're like, yes, oh, this isn't an act. Is this an act? Yeah, he was the first one where you kind of question the reality of what you were watching in yeah. my mind anyway. And it, um, I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Richard Pryor was the... He like, talked about his heart attack on stage. Yeah. And there was just like... That is such a brave thing to do. Mm. Like, a, like now, that's kind of seen as, like, a norm. Like, that's that's Ember Fringe yeah. Hour, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the, like, when, the time of performing, that was never... Especially in American... Uh, yeah. So that was never done, you know? It was so, ne- and there's an amazing video called uh, Richard Pryor Live and Smoking, which you can find on YouTube, or you can buy it. And whatever you want to do, I don't care. <laughs> And high morals. Yeah, <laughs> that's the. Uh, it's thing. amazing because it's one of the first times that he came out and spoke about the stuff he wanted to talk about. Yeah, he won't be in the clear, and you can see people in the or you can feel the awkwardness of them going, "What the fuck is yeah. this?" Because he's talking about having like the time he sucked a dick and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. and, and it's not that funny. Yeah, it's raw, but it's it's just it's very interesting from a comedy perspective to watch that mm-hmm. that kind of that progression of. Of honesty into funny, yeah, and it's just, that's something. That's what something that I aspire to, which I think is why I like my current show more because it is more honest and it's more personal, yeah. even though it's just as stupid. Yeah. And this is your third show at Edinburgh. It's my well, technically it's my it's my second hour, but it's my third show. Okay, because the first time I did a work in progress. Oh, okay, which was forty minutes. 
Okay. But then I didn't use any of the jokes from that four-minute uh, show in my first show. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, so, uh, that, that's really cool. Where are you performing? I'm in the same place that I was last year, which is Espionage, the Matahari Room. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm on at 6.45. 6.45. Which is a better time than last year, which was 9.30. Yeah, uh, I mean, but, well, um, uh, what I meant to say earlier is I saw a preview of your show uh, last yeah. year. And uh, I, 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 I thought it was a great show as well. I didn't think it was too preachy either. As well, you, you did it. Um, I, I ran a gig in Rochester. You did the preview yeah. there, and that uh, Rochester is the kind of the uh, a capital of uh, UKIP as well. So it's quite. Uh, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but like considering you won over that crowd and you did really well there, mm. I, I I would suggest that it, it wasn't too preachy and it was it hit the right marks as well. So oh, it was a really lovely right. show as well, and uh, the preview as well. Um, how was the experience of doing it at nine o'clock in the evening uh, at Edinburgh? It was it was good, but it was difficult purely because it's a free show. Yeah. One, you're going up against all the big guns that are on around that time. Yes. And two, because it's just off Calgate, which is a really busy area of Edinburgh, during nine nine thirty, just the fucking drunkest, mentalist oh, Scots yeah. would just would come in at that time. Which is I don't I quite like having people like that in the audience. Like I'm not I f- I think there's a lot of kind of. I've got to word this right. There's a there's a lot of preciousness around who yeah. people allow into their show, and if that is a part of what you're doing, that's fantastic. You're being inclusive, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure that that pushes you as a comedian if you're if you if you've got a certain idea about who is allowed in your show. Like I I know who I'd like in my show and who I wouldn't like. However, I see it as my job. To win them rounds, yeah. No matter who they, if they're a stag party, if they're a, a, a racist cunt, if they're a sexist, if they're sounds like a great gig, <laughs> yeah, an anti an anti man rabid. Let, I'll yeah. use the term feminazi because I don't know yeah. what else <laughs> yeah. the term there is, even though I hate it as a yeah. term. But I want those people in there that wouldn't necessarily like me, and I want to be able to get them to like what I'm saying. I don't mind if they don't like me, but I want them to laugh. Which is, that, um, that's why I'm such a big fan of Bill Burr, because I don't like him. As a person, I think yeah. me and Bill Burr would not get on. Yeah, I, well, there's that um, uh, infamous uh, comedian um, clip. Where, well, he, he, he um, Stuart Goldsmith chats to Bill Burr, and yeah. they just clash, because uh, he says something, and he goes, well, I don't really agree with that. Yeah. And I, I feel like I wasn't, like, I felt for Stuart, because I, I don't think I might have, I, I would have just... Because he's Bill Burr, I would mm. just let him get on with it. But like, uh, I'm glad he did say something. But because of that, um, lots of like alt right people on the internet uh, who really like, really, really like Bill Burr mm. started like, uh, you know, uh, feminist man, uh, like a uh, like um, where a snowflake uh, tries to diss mm. Bill Burr and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh god. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I saw some of that reaction. I didn't like it either. However, the fact remains that Bill Burr, no matter who he attracts. He's a very, very funny man. Yes. He's a yeah. very, very funny man. I saw his show in Edinburgh and there was some there was some stuff in there that was questionable about when it comes to women mm. and when it comes to ethnic minorities and stuff. But I then remember, because I listened to his podcast, I remember that he may not necessarily... Because he gives you both angles, mm-hmm. but the one that you focus on is the one that you don't like. Yes. Because that is what always remains. like, if you go on holiday, the one day you remember above all... 
Others is the one where like you got robbed or you fell off your moped, whatever the fuck happened. Yeah. Like that is the one that always sticks in your brain because like that's the way that the brain works. You remember the bad yeah. shit so that it don't happen again to protect yourself. So that's why a lot of people will focus on the bad things that Bill Burr has done. It's like with Dave Chappelle, a massive Chappelle fan, there was some stuff in his latest special that he said like about transgender people and about gay people where I was a bit like, ooh. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, but he also said shit about everybody. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I think, yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's a slight preciousness about it. So like, yeah, um, but I would argue like someone like Patton Oswalt, who I'm a massive fan of, mm. um, he did this in his new special, he did this to, uh, just delightful bit about uh, how he's like, I'm um, pro-feminist and pro-transgender um, like, uh, people. I, 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 I hate any um, homophobia. And that he, he, he kind of laid out clear. Then he goes, but you uh, have to help like 50-year-old people try and understand this. Because he's like, I'm 50 years old. I don't understand what LGBT uh, mean. Like, it's just, like, this is the thing. Like, yeah, not, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he kind of made the case of saying... Um, don't judge people for the lack of knowledge. Try yeah. and inform them. Right? Yeah, this is the problem: is that people aren't willing to educate ignorance anymore. That's it. That's all. it. That's that's people go straight to outrage. That, that's. I think that. Well, that, that's to do with the internet as well. Yeah, right? no, definitely. I think social media has ju- it is destroyed any notion of nuance and yeah. of any ignorance slash acceptability on what people know. Yeah. You know, like even when it when it comes to LGBT, there's what there's LGBTQ. I yeah. I only found out about I like four <laughs> days ago. I'm like, what, what is I? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and if you don't know that, yeah, someone can... will jump on yeah. you for it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It's, it's like if you fail the test and instead of saying, "Oh, retry it," it's like punch you in the face. Yeah. Why didn't you know that? Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I just, I think, I think that people they need to. I mean, and I'm guilty of this as well. Is that I can react to stuff way too reactionary, yeah, but. Again, I think that's also in the mindset of the 21st century as yeah. well. Like, uh, we're very much instantaneous. If it doesn't happen instantly, we get annoyed by it. And yeah. So we react without, like, as the stand-up routines, which have been like, oh, whoa, I can't say that. But then they've actually gone, well, actually, here's a thing. Uh, and it's, I don't think we allow the breathing room uh, of... Uh, like exactly. exactly. I think... That that is one of the challenges that comedy faces at the moment. Like just to use Bill Burr as an example again, the one one of my favourite routines that I've ever seen is his one about um, about punching women. Right? <laughs> and that's not the actual routine. It's, yeah. like, it's never okay to punch a woman. Okay, there's never a reason. Bullshit. You yeah. just don't do it. I'm like, oh, all right. I'm gonna listen to this. How I think if he were to come out with that routine now, that a lot of people go whoa whoa whoa, and he's not saying. Do it. Yeah. It's just this, this but, is what I like him is because he reasons everything down so far that I I kind of come around to see his perspective without necessarily agreeing with it. I think that's that's the key to comedy. Though. I think mm. that uh, um, your job um, is to make people come round to your point of view, not necessarily accept it, but to come round to it and understand it. Yeah. And that's where comedy lies. Well. Exactly. And um, yeah, going back to what we said earlier, I think I think that everything. Everybody is too... They're, they're too determined to define absolutely everything. And while I think that is a fantastic thing that people... They do... They can define who they are and what they regard themselves as. I think that's brilliant. At the same time, I think it creates too much division. It's like, I'm... I, I'm not willing 
let's not willing that's the wrong word but I, I'm hesitant to define myself as a feminist for example because mm-hmm. I have problems with the current feminist movement in that I don't think it's inclusive to all women mm-hmm. I think it's inclusive to a certain type of woman for me that's not feminism mm-hmm. feminism is all women from all all colours or creeds or religions whereas in its current movement it seems like it's more a white middle class thing mm-hmm. And that's why I'm hesitant to say I'm a feminist. I'm for equality across the board. Mm-hmm. But I don't like, like, the same way I don't like calling myself an anti-racist, because I'm like, well, why do I have to say that I'm that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I'm, I get it, yeah. I'm just, I think everybody and every, every angle of humanity should be equal. But that doesn't mean that I want to say I'm anti-racist, I'm anti-homophobic, I'm anti Because I am all those things. But I just I don't want to have to say that because if people are assuming I'm not, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and again, it's about like labelling as well. It's like, are you this or are you this? It's like, but what's what's the difference? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, uh, well, this has been um, absolutely like uh, we done. <laughs> well, 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 um, I've got a couple of like just kind of standard podcast questions. But, oh, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, this has been such a great uh, like podcast though. Uh, uh, like it's been very uh, uh, intellectual. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm not used to this kind of. Level. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, either, yeah. I thought it all happened. But to like, yeah, before the into um, before the interview, uh, we were just chatting upstairs, and uh, we, we we did some delightful kind of light-hearted podcast humor. Oh, we should probably say that. But <laughs> we we just went to the diet, the the deep end with this one. But, um, but, it, but well, thank you for like kind of uh, coming on. It's a delight to have you. Well, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Archie Maddox, which is spelled M A D D O C K S, not not O X, yes. as is written down on everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I don't mind that really. Maddox, it's kind of like a, it could be your uh, like secret identity. Right? Yeah, when I fuck up, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Archie M A D D O X. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tend like, yeah. hate mail that. So. <laughs> Um, but um, I've got some like general podcast questions. Um, uh, number one: um, Can you describe your act in three words? Fucking hell! Uh, <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna use words that I hate okay. being called in reviews. Okay. Uh, charismatic. Yeah. Oh no, take that out! I don't <laughs> fuck charismatic. That's just such a bullshit description. I, like yeah, I have, I think we do have charisma though. Uh, I know, but to, I see it as an insult because that's like they're going, yeah, not funny. You can watch it, but it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I see. No, I um, I think I think that uh, when people say charisma, it's like, oh, I like him, kind of. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's like I I hate people that describe themselves as edgy. I'm just like, oh no, no you can't. No, do that. You, you just say cunt a lot. So that's yeah. that's what that is. Uh, yeah. You just say cunt. You've been racist a few times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it's, it's hard. I don't. Uh, I, I would say uh, upbeat. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe that's more stylistically than it is material-wise, but we'll say upbeat. Uh, and edgy. <laughs> I would say upbeat, fun. I, I'm not. I'm not one to describe myself as funny. Uh, upbeat, fun, and occasionally reasoned which I'm going to put as a double barrel word okay uh, uh, that happens more often than you would think but, uh, <laughs> but I think that, that that's a really nice uh, depiction of you as well um, uh, but uh, what was uh, what uh, what was your first gig um, 
Uh, my first gig was in a bar in Westminster called the Old Red Lion, um, where I I was I did a stand up comedy course because I didn't know how to yeah. get into it. So I did a course and I got bored with the course because I thought it was taking too long. Like it was the guy that ran it was a lovely guy, a great teacher. But it was a lot of stuff like uh, what not to do. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, like don't take the mic out of the stand. For, I'm like I just want to get up. Um, don't take the mic out of the stand. Or do take the yeah, mic yeah, out of yeah, the stand yeah. and put the stand behind you. Don't leave the stand. Yeah. It was all stuff like that, stuff that I think you should just work out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I yeah, the gig was in the old red line in Westminster. I had about 12 of my friends come down and I got absolutely fucking hammered. <laughs> and I've got a recording of it. It is, I've looked at it, it is genuinely one of the worst things I've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> but at the time, it went quite well. Yes, yeah. Uh, and that's obviously only because my friends were there. Yeah. Uh, well, like, uh, I, I've seen many gigs where people do it for the first time, especially in competitions as well, mm. and they stop and they do well there because all their friends are there but yeah. uh, they're not fussed about anyone else you yeah. know I mean? but uh, uh, yeah uh, but you know but again I think a lot of comedians are really harsh on themselves because like uh, well that being said my first gig uh, oh man like in, now it's a train wreck but at the time I was like oh my god yay. yeah yeah I, I, I remember coming off stage legitimately for about two hours thinking that I was like the best thing comedy yes, was going to have yeah. like, I remember coming off going well I'm a fucking genius <laughs> All, they all laughed for five minutes. I am fucking amazing yeah. at this. I, um, after my second gig, um, it, in all fairness, it was an absolute storm. But then again, uh, those people there who were nervous, a lot of, it was a really friendly crowd, and also a lot of uni friends were there as well. Mm. And I did really well. In fact, I, um, I was about to do uh, five to ten minutes, but I went on for 15 because I was doing like that. Uh, it was like really... But uh, like after after that second gig of comedy, I thought I am a comedy god. I am I am just I can't be beaten, you know. <laughs> and then my third gig, it was about it was about a month in between. I had this kind of this the ego grew and the hubris was like expanding yeah. exponentially. And uh, I thought of myself as comedy. In fact, in that time, I went to New York uh, for the first time and I went to comedy clubs. So I was like, oh yes, I'm a comedian and stuff like that. And I think this is so important to who I am and why uh, what happened. It's like my third gig, first thing was a bad gig, but mm. uh, it, it wasn't well set up. But I died so hard, like like one of the hardest deaths I've ever done. Uh, Stony silence, uh, and friends were there as well. It was embarrassing, but I needed that knock to my confidence yeah, yeah, so yeah. badly as well. Uh, yeah, no, I, I remember the first... Even looking back, it wasn't a proper death, but it felt like a real death. Yeah. And I, I needed that to happen so that I knew that I had to deal with that as well as the good stuff. Yeah. If I didn't have that come up when it did, I think I would have just been the most arrogant. I, just, I mean, I reckon I can probably, without knowing it, come across as pretty arrogant anyway. Uh-huh. And with that, <laughs> I just came across like... I. So, I think if I'd have seen myself, I wanted to not. I would have wanted to knock myself out. Yeah, you want to take him to just go. Oh, yeah. mate, what you're doing? Yeah, just it's like, like you know when you're doing a gig and there's an open spot and they've gone. Oh yeah, smash that one, smash that. And they're talking about gigs where you know they haven't smashed. They're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did the comedy store, smashed it. I'm like, no, you fucking didn't. Yeah, you did the Gong Show. Yeah, <laughs> like, smash the comedy store. You and you got about? a minute in. So yeah, like... you got a minute in, and then they didn't understand. And they gonged you off. That's what fucking happened. But that's another thing of uh, modern life is that. Um, People only publish that, that the good people, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so they edit their lives on Facebook, 
book, uh, but you don't get the bad bit. So then everyone feels shitty all the time because we're comparing themselves to the uh, the best parts of other people's this lives. This is the thing. I think, yeah, I think social media's got a lot to answer. I mean, it never will, but there's a lot of problems arising from social media because I think in 10 years' time, this generation would... I think we'll be regarded as the... Sa- I think we're already regarded as the saddest generation of all time. Yeah. And whether that's because we say that we're sad more or whether we actually are, I don't know. But I think we will be regarded as that because there's so much... There, there's so much virtual positivity and happiness that you then internalise and think, well, why don't I have that? And then you get so sad yeah. that your way of dealing with it is to look online that more happiness mm-hmm. of other people that you don't have and then feel worse yeah. I think yeah I, uh, I and but yeah. I, I, I think like John Ronson did a whole book about public shaming about how oh, it's a act. wicked book it's, it? it's a great yeah. like, and I'm a massive John Ronson fan as well uh, but he kind of he describes Twitter and social media being in its infancy at the moment and I think we are uh because the way we're reacting at that moment is like, ah, oh, it was this barbarianism, isn't it? So like, oh, you're a dick, yeah. and stuff like that. But I think... Um, we ain't going to stood up yet. Well, yeah, that's it. I think we're going to grow to be more... Stand up is what I meant to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Well, learn to stood up. I'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, leave it in, because I want people to know how dumb I can be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think we'll learn how to be better. Uh, yeah. Well. It's like, yeah, I think we will grow and be civilised and stuff like that. Because at the moment, we'll type something and send it off, but there's no... Empathy, if you know, we, we don't. If you, if I called you a, a, a fucking cunt, mm. it'll be that's horrible. But if I did it online, you don't see the repercussions whatsoever. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, second question. <laughs> <laughs> We've well, got so sidetracked in this. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's really delightful. Um, uh, so uh, here's a, here's a question I've never asked before. What advice would you give to a brand new comedian? Oh God. <laughs> um. One, don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, be relish failure. Yes. That that's something that I wish I'd learn earlier. Not even in regards to comedy, in regards to most aspects of creativity in life, is that through failure you learn how to fly. Like if you enjoy crashing, you learn how to avoid crashing. You know what I mean? You learn how to fly because you know how to crash. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I think I think learning to embrace and learn from failure is a big, big part of definitely creative process. <laughs> wow, artisan. <laughs> uh, but it, like exactly, you don't, you don't go to a new material gig to smash it. You do it to figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, uh, it's. But uh, I think that's a lovely answer as well. Um, uh, what is the weirdest thing you've done on stage? Um, the weirdest thing. I'm not very weird. I, I really wish I was. I love weirdness. Yeah, but I'm just not weird. I'm gonna say, in all fairness, I, I've had some cracking answers. I remember doing the podcast with Andre Vincent, and he was telling me about like this, like like mad nineties comedy. You know yeah, I mean? like uh, he was telling me about like uh, like bringing a box of kittens on stage and letting them loose and stuff like that. That never happens nowadays. No. You know I mean? and I think uh, of all the people, I think you're the. You, you're not tame in a negative way, but I think you're, you're, you're like you are like a, a a proper stand-up comedian in the fact that you kind of play by the book. Yeah, so. I've got no weird, it, and it's like, I really wish that I had some weird stuff. It's like I, I've seen 
there's some comedians that are just off the wall and I look at it and I love it and then get really angry because I can't do it. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I wish I could do some... I wish I could just say fucking the words like fucking jiggly jew for, Yeah, yeah. For... Which is not a racial slur. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what you so mean. Like, what? <laughs> that's a racist. I'll punch a woman in the front of the crowd. But like, do you know when you just see someone come out and they, they will just say something like watermelon, watermelon. Yeah. Watermelon. It's, it's when they say, uh, like, a, oh, and that says something which isn't necessarily funny, but the way they've said it and in the context that they've said it in, in the atmosphere they've created is mm. really funny. It's like Tony Law, half things, if you took, if you brought them to the cold light of day, they wouldn't be funny. Yeah. But the it's way he him, sells yeah. it, it's so... so I saw, I did a gig with Kitson a little oh, while man, ago. man, how was that? It's lovely. It was a, it was a, um, something Mark Thomas organised for Grenfell, for the, oh, the Grenfell Tower disaster. Yeah. And he... Like, I was watching him compare, because he's amazing. I, he did a bit where, for about 30 seconds, he just said moths. <laughs> I was just like, that is fucking amazing. Yeah. I wish I could. So he's just like, moths. Yeah. Moths. Moths. Like, and it was just, I was like, I fucking love that. Yeah. It's like, beautiful. Yeah. Like, I, 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 on a but, scale of 1 to 10, how much would you like to be Kitson? Well... I mean, part of me wants to say 10, because yeah. <laughs> technically every comedian wants to be kids, but at the same time, zero, because I want to I wanna be my version of whatever that is. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, back to answer the question of the weirdest thing I've ever yeah, done sorry. on stage. Um, I, does it have to be comedy, or can it be any stage? Uh, let's, let's broaden out to any stage. Any stage. Um, I... During, I think this was in school. I think fuck, this was my GC. Was it GCSE? No, this was my A level thing. In a play, I once pushed a a fee. I was playing a guard. I pushed a female prisoner so far that she was supposed to spit in my face, and she spat in my face, and I caught it in my mouth and swallowed it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and it disgusted everyone, including her. <laughs> And after I did it, I was like, why did I do that? That was well weird. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest thing that, I've ever done that this That is <laughs> oh, I remember uh, I did a... Um, a I, used, I used to really want to be an actor. And during my A-levels, I did drama. And in my year 12, we did a play of uh, Oedipus. And, uh, uh, and uh, essentially, uh, I... In hindsight, uh, I wasn't a great actor, and my my drama teacher didn't give me good roles. So I played Creon in the first scene, and I played a god for the rest of it. Right, and essentially the same was just uh, I just changed uh, uh, I just unbuttoned my shirt a little bit for the god, and for the but the, there's a there's a bit where uh, I have to kind of uh, bend this woman's back, uh, bend this woman's arm, and she's in pain. And uh, there was photographs of that night, and there's one there's one photo of me. Like cruel in this woman's arm, and she's looking in pain. But the way it's positioned is, it looks like I'm behind her, and I'm, I'm entering from behind. Nice. It, it's like it's it's uh, my <laughs> friends really had a lovely time with that. Uh, um, we kind of touched on this earlier. Um, if you weren't you, what type of comedy? Uh, well, what time? What what kind of comedy have you tried, but you weren't that good at? Like, what kind of genre? Um, have you ever tried to be surreal? I have. I have tried... Well, surreal for me, which is not the same as surreal. Yeah. But I've tried to be slightly surreal, and just people never accept it from me. Yeah. Because I'm not a surreal guy at all. Um, I'm, my... Yeah, I'd, I'd quite... I'd quite like to be... 
of a very good edgy comic. Yeah. But again, it's something that people like. I've got little moments of steel, let's say, not quite edge, but it's never full on edgy stuff. Even though my girlfriend says that in life I say stuff that if I said on stage, yeah. it would be really fucking edgy. And I'm like, is that edgy? I don't think that was edgy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it would be stuff like without even thinking. So like, I, I went out with my girlfriend, brought her friend to come see a preview, uh-huh. and her friend's Israeli. Right, so she said something like, "Like Israel's a lovely place to go on holiday. And without thinking, I went, not if you're Palestinian. <laughs> and just without thinking, I was like, fuck, I shouldn't... Why, why did I say that? <laughs> and she laughed, luckily, because it was obviously yeah. a joke. But my girlfriend was looking at me going, why do you do... Why? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't... I don't think I know what edgy means. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say things, and she's like, no, that you shouldn't say stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. why? She's like, because that is fucking edge <laughs> if you said it on stage. I'm like, is it? That's edgy. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, how do you find um, performing to like your girlfriend's friends? Uh, is uh, are you are you kind of like yeah, it's cool, or does it like make you nervous or anything like that? No, no, I I like it because she like I I I'm hesitant to to say to people even though this is my job. I'm hesitant to say to people that I'm a comedian. Yeah, yeah. Do you know because I still I don't feel. Like I am one, yes. yet. In, uh, yeah, it's complicated. I've got a complicated issue with what that means and what that entails. Mm-hmm. Um, but she will introduce me as, oh, he's a comedian. So because she's doing it, I kind of get a little boost. Mm-hmm. If that makes so I'll go, oh, okay. So she sees me as that, so I can be that, because they now think I'm that. I've just got to meet what they think that will be. Yeah, you know, I because I haven't put that that label on me. Yeah, someone else is doing it for you. Yeah, it feel it feels like I don't have to go to where I would regard it as being a thing. I don't know if that makes sense at all. No, but... yeah, that's cool. Uh, if you could flat share with any three comedians in Edinburgh for a month, uh, uh, who would they be? Oh, dead or alive? Dead or alive? Yeah. But uh, uh, you have to like uh, give it a go. Um. Richard Pryor, yeah. just because he would be a fucking lunatic. Uh, I'd love to flat share with him. But um, it has to be for the whole month as well. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I yeah. So, like, that would be great for the first couple of nights. But, uh, but no, I, I think Richard Pryor is a good one, in all fairness. Richard Pryor. Um, I think that would be a really good one to do. And I would, I'd love to flat... Patrice O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> just because I just think it would be the most horrible house. <laughs> Like, I think it would be just terrible, yeah. and and uh, Dave Chappelle. Oh, that is a quality lineup. Uh, just just because I think one, I would be too terrified to talk at any point. Yeah, but just to be to be in that in that environment with those people, just to see them, I think would be amazing. Just imagine them arguing about who's who hasn't done the washing up. And yeah, that'd be fantastic. Fuck you. yeah, and oh, there's kebab on the yeah. Yeah. on the thing, and it, yeah, it would, oh, that would be quality. Yeah, oh, that, I think that's one of the best answers ever. Uh, um, well, well, I'll do a, I'll do three more. Um, what routine have you loved, but audiences have never gone behind? Uh, there's been loads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, this. 
Sorry, no, 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 go on, go on. There's some comedians like, oh, I can't remember. It's like, yeah, as if you can't remember. Oh, this There's t- like, I've got them on the back of my, like, like they're all, all etched into my skin, you know, the <laughs> failures. I did, I had one which I've had to take out of the current show because it just, it stopped fitting. But it was, I really like it because I just, it kind of is virgin on surreal for me, mm-hmm. uh, which is that I, I really don't like ducks, right? I fucking hate them. <laughs> like, I hate geese, but I don't, I think that all, all those kind of birds should just be called ducks because yeah. they're all, they're all the same thing. You know, geese, swans, ducks, pelicans, they're all the fucking same animal, basically. Yeah. And the whole routine was about me trying to say I don't think that ducks are from this earth because like just there's so many things that don't make sense about them like they've got a fucking a, a, they're just they're a bag of angry bagpipes with a snake head on the end of it yeah. and they when they eat it looks like they're about to die every time because they go oh, like it looks, <laughs> it looks like they don't know how to swallow and I'm like yeah. what kind of animal is this and they make a sound that doesn't echo and then I just, I did that, for, and yeah, it, audience is always like, why does he hate ducks so much? Yeah, yeah. But I just loved it, because I'm like, I fucking, I hate ducks, I really, yeah. I can't stand them. I really can't stand ducks. Oh, bless. Um, on the podcast, we like to do, uh, like, a, a live uh, autograph signing. Uh, uh, it's just that, I'm, essentially, I just want to figure out what your signature is. Uh, okay. is that, I, you, don't know, I don't know what my signature see, is. This is different this, every time. This is what we. This is what I'm finding out. This is going to be a doctor. This is, because uh, no one knows what their signature is, and that's what it started out as. So I just wanted to figure out what your signature was. Right, so uh, you do it live on the Make sure it's next to the mic, so it's uh, as loud as possible. Who am I next to here? Who's... Uh, it's uh, Neil Harrison and Julie Grady-Thomas. Uh, um, but there's also. Um, Would you want it above or below? Well, if you can have the headline, I suppose. Oh, uh, fucking. There we go. I'm going to sell that for millions <laughs> for of pounds. nothing, mate. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're going to have people. You're going to owe people money yeah. for giving that. <laughs> oh, that's. that's I, uh, I think it looks quite good. It, it looks a bit like oink, but I'll. Uh, yeah. I think it's a strong signature. After it's, the A, it just falls apart dramatically. It, to be honest, it's, it's, hey, take this, uh, this can go on an Edinburgh poster. It's the largest signature in the book so far. Fuck so, yeah. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Sean McLaughlin. Yeah, <laughs> big swinging Sean McLaughlin. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Sean, I like Sean. He's a, he, it was a lovely podcast, actually. <laughs> uh, do go and listen to it. Um, all right, uh, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, final question. Um, has comedy improved or worsened your life? It's definitely improved my life. With I think with comedy almost is my life, really. It has it's improved every aspect of where I am not physically, mentally <laughs> and emotionally. I mean it's also it's also been detrimental to to relationships of whether there was a friendships or romantic uh, but I think it's improved me as a person because I am more, I'm more honest, I'm more thoughtful, I am more caring, and I'm less egotistical. I'm I'm far more interested in people than I was when I wasn't doing comedy. I I wanted, I needed the attention, so I would always be very much like, guys, listen to me. This is what I want to say. Listen mm-hmm. to me. Whereas now that I have the comedy side, I I am much more open, not open, I'm much more, much happier to give other people that moment, mm-hmm. which makes it sound competitive, and it's not, but it's, I, 
I'm much more interested in people. I don't see them as things that I can bounce off to make myself feel better yeah. anymore. They are people. Yeah. And it's given me a willingness to understand people and the world in a way that I don't think I would have if I didn't do it. Yeah, man. Um, I, 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 I get that because um, with the thing you were saying, like... Um, because you know that you're funny, you're a good comedian, you don't need to, you can accept people for who they are and just enjoy them, their company until they're trying to make them laugh all the time, stuff like that, you can, you can have that confidence, and, uh, and, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, I think it's a really lovely way to finish the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks uh, for coming on, man. Thank you. I Cheers. don't know that I'm funny, though, but thank you very much. <laughs> don't, don't say that at the end. Okay, uh, yeah. No, 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 I'm going to keep it in, and that's it. Oh, that's going to be, oh, nothing on that funny. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast. That was Archie Maddox. Uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 13, everyone. Uh, and as I said, it was a bit of a uh, a bit more of a serious uh, episode, but I think we discussed some uh, really interesting things and uh, a diverse range of topics as well. And the sad thing is, that a lot of the things we talked about are still quite relevant, uh, even though it's like six months ago. Uh, progress and all, um, but yeah, I, I think it was a really nice episode. Um, I got in contact with Archie about a week ago just to see uh, if he's okay for me to put the podcasts and whatnot. And I, I also asked him about his veganism, if whether he's still doing veganism for a bet. And uh, just to let you know, he has given up that bet. Uh, <laughs> fair enough, you know. Um, but again, it's it was a fun... You know, I, I don't mind when people give veganism a go because it's... Uh, even if you don't like it, you know, it's, you're putting your money where your mouth is, really, uh, but, yeah, I, uh, why don't you try veganism this, this January for veganuary, that's, this is not the, uh, point I was trying to make, anyway, um, I, this is the end of the year for me, it's the end of the podcast year, um, we will be starting again in January, uh, hopefully there'll be more regular episodes, but, who knows? Um, it. I've got, I'm. I'm doing a lot in January. Uh, I'm going on tour with Lee Kyle. Yay! I'm not doing a lot of dates, but I'm doing a couple of tour support for him. Uh, so you can come and see me in Kent. Uh, if you want to find out where I'm gigging in the next couple of months, you can find me at www.matthaascomedy.com. You have to type it with a the seven American accent just so it comes out properly. Um, and uh, you can also follow me at Matt Hoss Comedy uh, on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and while you're there, why don't you follow us, uh, this this fantastic podcast, on uh, Twitter as well, which is at Drunk Compod and Drunk Compod on uh, Facebook as well. And if you haven't already, uh, why don't you give us five stars on iTunes? Because, you know, I've been doing this for a year and it's... Uh, it's it does take up a lot of time and effort, and uh, obviously the comedians put their time and um, effort into it as well. Uh, so if you like it and want to show some appreciation, um, I would really like if you uh, give give us a rating. Or if you're too lazy to do that, why don't you tell a friend? Uh, or if you don't have any friends, make some friends and tell them about this podcast, because uh, <laughs> that's what friends do. 
but yeah, no. But thank you for listening to this podcast. If you um, if you've been a devout listener from the start, or you've been uh, dipping in and out of the episodes uh, throughout the year, I hope you really enjoyed it. It's been a really fun project to do. Um, I I probably haven't done as much as I should have. However, um, I think that the interviews that we do have are really interesting. We have a wide range of voices and comedic talents out there. And I am I'm kind of proud of this project. It's a nice little thing. It it wasn't... When I first started, I thought it was going to be some kind of Larry Laddish project. Like, wait, 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 get lashed and talk about some secrets. Uh, that was very Yorkshire then, wasn't it? Um, but what it has turned into is like a... Um, into a really kind of warm and hopefully endearing podcast and where I kind of I kind of tap into some uh, really amazing comedians and their their views and their their kind of insights into comedy and how they perform and everything else uh, I uh, I think it's interesting and I think 2018 should be an even fun uh, that's a English right it should be even more fun uh, with some really cool guests got lined up as well. I uh, I'll keep that under my hat for the time being. Uh, there's some I've got in the backlog which I haven't really got out yet. Um, but hopefully they'll come out in time as well. And but and also just to let you know, guys, I will be signing some other podcast projects soon. Um, there's a couple of maybes in the bank, but one for definite, which is starting in January 2018. Uh, I shouldn't really tell you this, but fuck it, you know, tis the season to go fucking nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, I have a friend called Dan Rhodes, and he has been my comedy and writing partner, uh, for, a, since university, uh, we met at university, both wanted to be comedians, and he went off and travelled the, the walls for a bit whilst I did stand-up, and we are starting a podcast together called Myths, M-I-F-F-S. And Myths is a mythical podcast where we talk about, uh, you know, ancient stories from uh, Greek and Roman uh, past, and uh, we kind of just discuss it in a really funny manner. It's a very silly and very... Uh, it's a very interesting podcast, and, uh, you know, um, I, would, I wouldn't stretch to educational, but it's, uh, I mean, if you're... If you're going to be doing like revision for your classics exam, uh, it probably our our podcast should probably be on the syllabus. Uh, we're going to be releasing one episode a week, and we uh, uh, we've recorded some in the bank already. Uh, that's behind uh, the cloth secret there. Uh, but I think it's a really funny podcast because this is quite a bit more serious than I intended, and so that is kind of a nice balance, really, because mess is just pure silliness because uh, with podcasting it's kind of when you're by yourself and you're recording like like right now it's it's a bit strange because i have to um it, it's it's uh i'm not talking to anyone apart from from you but obviously you're a silent partner uh so but when i'm with dan and uh there's someone else to kind of ricochet off uh you they, there's a bit more of a uh a funny atmosphere around uh uh sometimes with Whenever I make a joke here or I I think of something odd or funny to say, I don't know if you laugh, to be honest, 
or maybe you laugh at me. Who who knows? Um, but anyway, that's that's en- enough about me. I ah, uh, uh, I just want to say thank you for being a lovely podcaster, and I hope you have a really lovely year. Um, or, or I hope you have had a really lovely year. Um, I mean, politically, it's a bit shit at the moment, and unless you're a bigot, and then you're having a a, a whale of a time. Uh, I hope you're having a nice time. But, you know, the thing is, just really enjoy yourself as much as possible. Because, um, you know, uh, some people out there aren't having the best of time in the world. or uh, And, you know, um, sometimes you just aren't that happy with who you are or what you're doing. And you just take that time to be kind to yourself this time of year. Just, you know, you're dealing with stressful family members and a really shit time of year so be kind to yourself be kind to others and just give yourself a break you know oh anyway um yeah i have waffled on too long um i should probably end this on a high um hmm Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you I love you, um, and uh, in a very... Inf- no, that's very unboxing me, isn't it? Oh, shit, I'm plagiarizing. Uh, Alright, I'll just say, um, I'm very fond of you, and then I'll uh, I'll stop the recording. Okay. <coughs> I'm very fond of you, but I don't love you. Bye! And I uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, everyone. I, uh, I'll i see you in January 2018 for more drinking. Oh, uh, and also more caffeinated comedians as well. Uh, exciting guests coming up. Uh, oh, who could they be? Um, if you go, if you've listened to the podcast, you might have heard some. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, please download, subscribe, and share to your friends with the Drunken Comedian Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this year of tantalizing fun. We'll see you next year for more equally tantalizing fun. Bye, everyone. Bye.